I'm Gail. Hi, I'm Catherine, and we are the active voice of women over 70, aging reimagined. Welcome to our weekly podcast. Our mission is to showcase vital women between the ages of 70 to 100 plus who shatter the myth that we become irrelevant as we age. These women lead fulfilling lives for themselves and others. Visit our website at womenover70.com. Invite us to conduct workshops or speak to your organization on issues that matter to women aging. Consider becoming a sponsor. And if you are an author with a book for women, check out our book promotion opportunity. And today we're very happy to have with us Ingrid Albrecht. Ingrid is 74. She grew up in Dixon, Illinois. It was her maternal grandmother who laid the groundwork for the woman she would become. We learned about Ingrid from my cousin, Grant Robin, a contemporary of Ingrid's and a screenwriter and playwright. A worldwide traveler, teacher, and well-known artist, Ingrid, Ingrid has established a modern expressive style as a Chicago fine artist specializing in water media. When I first spoke with Ingrid, she said, art is my vehicle for preserving the last remaining traces of an ancient visual language that is literally an endangered species. When I replicate authentic pictographs and petroglyphs I have seen in my mixed media creations on paper or canvas, I feel a relationship with the archaic artists who originally pecked them on stone or painted them on cave walls. Ingrid, welcome to Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined. Well, thank you very much for having me. This is quite an honor. <laughs> You're very welcome. It seems that you've been reimagining your life since your grandmother placed a stick of pastel in your four-year-old hands so that you could paint alongside her. What, what do you remember of that time? Well, I, with very, very fond memories, I was very young. Uh, we would go visit Grandma in Waverly, Iowa, and after we would have lunch, she would get out her pastels and set me down with her. And uh, she would say, well, do you want to do a, a painting with me? And I would say, oh, yes, Grandma. And she, at a very young age, taught me that in the shadow of trees, in the shade, you don't just have dark. You have blue. You have green. You have purple. And, of course, at that time, it went way over my head. But she planted the seed. And even though my parents um, wanted me to become a nurse, which is I started out in nursing school, and wanted me to pursue that path, um, it, she planted the seed so that during the years of my education, I eventually became a teacher, I came back to that. After, after teaching for all those years, I, it kept drawing me back. I didn't know why, but it did. <laughs> so you were a teacher for a while? I was a teacher for 17 years. I still am a teacher. I, I teach different things, but uh, <laughs> I was a um, um, language arts uh, professor or teacher in uh, Guatemala, drove myself down through Central America for the Ball Nickel Mining Corporation up in the jungles of Guatemala. Before that, I was a reading specialist for four years in uh, Lincoln School down in Buenos Aires, Argentina, a school that was for uh, American diplomats and um, embassy 
children of embassy uh, people stationed there. Um, and also in uh, Costa Rica, I was a language arts coordinator. So these experiences, um, didn't know it at the time, but these experiences helped plant the seed for me to become an artist that I am today. Hmm. What, what took you to South America in the first place? Well, I, as a child, never got to travel. Um, when we would go back to school and teachers would ask, wow, John, what did you do over the summer? And they'd say, oh, I went to Florida, or I went to Disney World, or I went to Europe, or I did something. I would always say, oh, I went to Lowell Park and we had picnics, you know. <laughs> and, and so I, the, the travel bug always had bitten me, even as a child. One of my favorite classes when we would be studying geography was to learn about all these different cultures, you know, what the exports, imports were, the, the climate, the people. I, I was fascinated by that because I never got to travel. And then going back to my grandmother, Deguine, she always had a basket of exotic ocean shells sitting on a tabletop. And I would always go to that basket and look at those shells and wonder what beach they came from. So, so those were always things that I dreamed about doing someday. So when I was down at school, I happened to learn of this um, need for a reading specialist in Buenos Aires. I interviewed for the job, got the job, but they needed me to have a master's degree. So I stayed and, and worked on my master's degree got a job, signed the contract for three years to go down to Buenos Aires, and then renewed for another year. And I was responsible for setting up the uh, basal reading program for the elementary school. I taught speed reading at the secondary level. And um, it, it was a fabulous experience. And of course, I was dollar-based pay, so I lived like a queen. Uh, on dollar-based pay and stashed away a lot of money when I came back home. But the point is, is that all of those experiences helped me to become an artist that I am today. Mm -hmm. How interesting. And, and uh, so, so how you stayed there, you taught for 17 years. No, so I taught, I, I taught for Argentina four years. Uh, drove down to co to Costa Rica, taught there for a year, taught in Guatemala for a year. I was down there doing during the uh, terrible earthquake in 1976. Um, we were up in the jungle, three o'clock in the morning. It was like a big giant was at the foot end of my bed, shaking my bed for all he had strength to do. And uh, we were right in the well, we were way north of the epicenter, but I mean, it, right across Lake Isabel, the whole villages were leveled. Um, so that was six years. And then I came back to uh, Elgin. I was told, oh, Ingrid, you'll never find a teaching job. Never. Well, within two weeks, I found a teaching job because I was fluent in Spanish. Mm -hmm. So I, I set up, um, uh, I had a, a bilingual first grade uh, with my knowledge of uh, Latin America and the 
people in the cultures. I had a gifted Spanish program uh, that I founded. And uh, so I was there then for nine years. Oh, my. Mm -hmm. Ingrid, I'm curious about how, how then did you move into the kind of art that you do? Oh, well, I do many different kinds of art. Mm -hmm. this is, uh, galleries don't like me because <laughs> they don't can't fit. Huh? <laughs> I, they, I don't fit. No, I do many different things. Uh, well, first of all, let me go back to American Academy of Art. Uh, well, I, or let's go even before that. I studied while I was teaching in Elgin. I studied with several artists. Uh, you know, and, and the one artist that got me to the American Academy of Art was out of frustration on my part. I could not make the four wheels of this hay cart sit on the ground. Mm -hmm. And she came up to me during classes. She says, well, Ingrid, can't you see the negative shape between the wheels? And it went way over my head. I didn't know, know what she was talking about. She says, I think you really would do best if you went to the American Academy of Art. Long story short, I went for an interview, had pathetic uh, samples of my work, one including an artist fungus that I had carved in with a needle from a tree and presented all of these things to Irving Shapiro, who was the then director of, of the American Academy of Art. And he said, Ingrid, fundamentals program will be just fine for you. Well, I was elated. I thought, oh my God, I got into this prestigious art school. So. Um, when I had him for watercolor after the, my fundamentals program, he always instilled in us, he said, paint what you know. Well, I'm an avid gardener. And at the time I lived in um, Bartlett and I had raised orchids and I had crab apple trees and I had irises and this is what I painted. Well, I, I got into the art fairs and I mean, I would sell these big splashy floral paintings and, and be very happy when I could deposit some money in the bank. And he, I was listening to him. And then uh, at the time when I was married, we had bought property in New Mexico and I saw in Three Rivers Petroglyph area, National Monument actually, that these beautiful ancient images that the natives had carved into the bullset rocks were chiseled out of the rocks. And these were sold on the secondary market in Europe, in Saudi Arabia, wherever. And they would bribe the guards of these places with a case of beer or whatever. These people didn't care. And it just struck me as something I need to educate the public. I need to make these images in a contemporary art form, which is, which segued me from doing splashy florals into petroglyphs and pictographs. And I did a lot of research on these. And then um, after divorce, Mark and I went to Australia for a month and we toured China for a month. And I've, um, Africa trips to where I saw, and all these different trips, I researched petroglyphs and pictographs, which then fed my knowledge to even ex experiment more with handmade paper making, which is what I did. I rented a, 
paper making studio in Indiana, Twin Whackers, for a day. Made these great big sheets of handmade paper, irregular shapes, to, to which resembled when I would go to the rock art sites, these primitive areas. You know, they weren't rectangular square shapes. They were irregular. And I did a lot on uh, paintings uh, on those pieces of paper. And then um, I, I did those. And there was one man, William Handel, paper maker, that I met in the art fairs. And he said to me, broke my heart, broke my heart. He said, Ingrid, do something with these. Don't just copy them. Do something with them. And I, I thought I was doing something with them. Mm -hmm. well, but he, but he, was, he was right. So I researched and did the image, put the in, images into these really nice textural uh, shapes on the canvas. And I explored with different mediums to make it look really like the cave wall. And I, it, it took me, oh, maybe five years. And then I said, yep, when the student is ready, the teacher shall appear. I figured out what it was he was trying to tell me. What was it? Well, because I needed, I, I needed to express my viewpoint of these pictographs, not just copy the images mm -hmm. and put them on a colored background. I needed to express what I felt about them. And my, my expression of these then developed into um, exploring different materials on canvas, et cetera, et cetera. So that's how I went from florals to petroglyphs. And then I moved to the city. Well, in the city, even though I live in a greenhouse, uh, I don't really have a garden, garden, you know, big garden. So what do you paint? I listen to Irv Shapiro paint what you know. <laughs> and I went down and, and, and Mark and I would drive and I would explore the shapes of these buildings with the light hitting the buildings and get these different angle shapes and, and drama and um, expressive um, things that I think, oh, this would really be exciting for somebody to see. So that's how I then segued into painting where I live now. So, and, so I, when, I, I read your artist statement, and and you say that you you were you're inspired by how much uh, by how light and shadows create unique patterns. Oh yes. And so, is that what you're talking about? How light and shadow creates patterns around the buildings and the yes. Yes, and, yes. And weather, you said something about weather. Yes, foggy situations. Uh, um, uh, there, you know, situations that cause uh, a mystery for the viewer, that, that, that evoke an, a connection with the viewer looking at my work. Mm -hmm. So I always try to put myself in the, in the shoes of the viewer and say, Oh, how exciting is this painting going to be when they look at it on the wall? And if they don't spend two seconds on it, then I haven't done my job as an artist. So <laughs> I'm always asking myself that question. 
<laughs> you know, Ingrid, and also in your artist statement, you say that you've developed a contemporary expressive style as a Chicago fine artist specializing in watercolor. Yes. Does, does it matter? I mean, what does it mean to identify as a Chicago fine artist? Well, I think a Chicago fine artist would mean with my my images of the metropolitan area that okay. I have that I have um, worked on. Um, for example, going uh, like my my little mini series that I did of the Picasso. Meet me at the Picasso. That was done from a high elevation, which I had the opportunity to go up and look down. Mm. And, and look at these from a different perspective rather than just being a pedestrian on the sidewalk and looking at the building. No, I try to search out un unusual perspectives uh, that, that would translate to an interesting painting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. And then what does water media mean? Okay. Oh, good question. Water media is not just watercolor. Water media can include ink, it can include acrylic. It can include, ooh, here's a, here's a good one, walnut crystals. Wow, what are those? <laughs> walnut crystals, yes, walnut crystals. People think, what in the world is that? Right. Uh, walnut crystals is uh, a dehydrated form of burnt walnut shells. Oh. And you've heard of walnut ink. Well, walnut crystals are the, the dehydrated form of the crystals of the shells and you can control the value the intensity of dark to light with how much water you add to the crystals so I have incorporated those in my work and have taught students how to use them so uh, let's see all right so ink uh, all right so ink watercolor I think that's about it anything to do with water and, and so is, is the work always multimedia? No. Oh, no. No, 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 no. Uh -huh. um, I, well, like, like I say, this is why galleries don't like me. Um, I like to experiment with different opportunities. I've just learned, actually two days ago, about liquid charcoal. Mm. And I'm going to get myself some of that and I'm going to explore with that. Uh, I think, and, and this is a very personal opinion, but I, I have seen it in very well-known contemporary artists. They hit a wall. Mm -hmm. They've been doing the same thing that has been successful for them over and over and over and over. And they've taught over and over the same thing. They hit a wall, they get bored. Mm -hmm. And from the get-go, I have forced myself to experiment with different things. It took me 10 years to um, create a process which I call creating on water, which is, um, I guess in layman's term, it would be a, a fine art version of marbling. Marbling was a technique that uh, originated way back uh, in Turkey, and they would do bindings of old books. And if you look at some very, very old books, it's like a marbleized line 
they would dip the ends of the books and, and create papers and things like that. Well, I have taken this to a fine art level. And it took me 10 years, starting from the bottom. Failure is your friend. <laughs> and I taught myself how to do that. So that's one thing that keeps my interest level up. Monotype. I have a unique way of teaching people how to do monotype, which is done on a plexi plate. Um, there's additive, subtractive, and the freestyle, which is kind of my own interpretation of monotype printing. So creating on water and monotype are two forms of printing, all done with water media. Mm. And then what else did I teach myself to do? Collage. What do you do with all these old watercolor paintings that are no good? After you paint on one side of the paper and turn it over and paint on the other side and you have failure plus failure, <laughs> I never throw anything away. So I have this great big stack. So I taught myself how to create a painting from old watercolor paintings. Mm. <laughs> Organ organizing values and hues or colors of different parts of the painting and put them together in another one. So the, the, all the, oh, and then I taught myself sumanagashi, which is a Chinese way of uh, putting ink into water to create different patterns. So all of these things have kept me from hitting the wall. Yes. Wow. You, you can, you have been reimagining your life, your entire life. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Really, it's 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 fascinating, and I and I was going to ask you that question too about how do you keep going, you know, for so long with all of all of this art that you do, and and uh, and you just you just told us because you keep reimagining different ways of making art. Yes, and, and you and I'm going to add something here. You know what really helps is teaching. I, I was very fortunate that I was a teacher before I became an artist because I have experienced myself many, many different times of wanting to study with a, a very well-known world-class artist and they were a terrible teacher. And I got absolutely nothing. Well, you can always get something, but I got very limited um, knowledge from that experience. And I was very fortunate that I was a teacher first so that I can actually help my students learn, but they teach me. <laughs> I always tell them, I said, you know, thank you. You guys are teaching me. You're, you're helping me. And it's so true. It's so true. And, and are you still teaching today? Are you still teaching art to students today? Well, this is what COVID did. <laughs> it's COVID. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's a bad word. Yeah. Uh, COVID forced me to, uh, I did do two classes, um, winter and spring of last year, and then I had a shutdown. Uh, and all of my workshops, I, I bring in international artists to Chicago to teach um, workshops. And I have starting up in September, I have 
uh, I'm beginning again now with this new variant. I'm very concerned, but I do what I can do. Um, and so what is what had this done? COVID taught me to be an artist, to really be an artist and not a teacher. So I went to the studio and I created all these different things. So what I've done now, rather than teaching uh, structured classes, I have open studio, which let me tell you, I actually am doing more teaching with that than I do uh, with a prepared lesson because each one of these participants has a different issue. Mm -hmm. They have a different problem. And I have to go from one to another, to another, to another, switch my gears in my brain, help them with their problem. And this has become very successful. People like that. They don't, they don't have it. Well, the ones that are, have participated in these don't like the structured classes as much as this. So you mentioned a studio. You have a studio? Oh, Yes. What do you do in the middle of a recession? You jump off the cliff. And I jumped off the cliff. I, I had been um, teaching at the Palette and Chisel Academy of Fine Art, schlepping my tub of materials Tuesday night, watching the rats cross the alleyway uh, as I unloaded my tub and then teaching, taking the bus down, uh, teaching from... One until 9.30, and by the time I got home, it was 10.30, packing things up and schlepping back home. And I did that quite a few years. Wow. Well, I, say, I want to say 15, 16, 17, something like that. And it got to the point in August of 2009 that I just could not do that anymore. And my reason for not doing what I have done sooner is that I didn't want to have to be paying rent every month. I wanted to own a building and I wanted to um, build equity in the building rather than pay rent to a landlord. Well, that wasn't going to happen. So I found this place on Ravenswood, walked in, they showed me the place. It was filthy, industrial gray, cement floor, uh, dust a half an inch up on the rafter pipes. It, it was like a loft type building. And uh, just, it was the storeroom for Rohner Printer Company across the hall. And I said, I'll take it. It had these great big, huge windows facing east, not north, but facing east. And I said, I'll take it. Well, I had two weeks to get that place shaped up for my September classes beginning the middle of September. And I installed a sump pump, a sink with hot water, a little hot water heater. I had the um, uh, um, classroom lights installed. I had gallery lights installed. I had a hanging system installed, a professional gallery hanging system. I painted the floor to look like a slate floor with cleaner bags and three different colors of paint. <laughs> In fact, when I had the grand opening, people said, oh my God, who did your floor? <laughs> they didn't look at the paintings, they looked at my floor. <laughs> and uh, so I, I did that. I had a black and white sign on the brick wall 
that my landlord wouldn't sandblast it off. So my very first creative job was to full finish the brick all over the black and white side. So <laughs> you cannot tell that that sign was there except for the difference in texture. Mm -hmm. And if I hang a big painting over that, you can, but it, it blends right in. So that was my very first uh, artistic endeavor in that space. So in, at the middle, in the middle of the reset, recession, this is what I did. And it's, I, in September next month, I will have been there 12 years. Good for you. Wow. And, and if um, our listeners want to take a look at your artwork, how, how would they get in touch with you, Ingrid? Well, they can get a hold of me at my website, which is uh, ingridsartoriginals.com. Okay. They can also get in touch with me uh, by email, ingrid at ingridsartoriginals.com. <laughs> So Ingrid, is, Ingrid is I-N-G-R-I-D, correct? Ingrid is I-N-G-R-I-D at I-N-G-R-I-D-S art original with an S dot com. Wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> so you're so busy and, and, and your life is so full with all of this. Do you ever have time to stop and think about aging or or you know does this even come into your mind at all well i i go back to this i go back to i am so lucky that i jumped off the cliff and i decided to pursue art i i feel so happy that i made that scary decision and go back to the american academy of art for my second career and sit on the other side of the desk with all of these whippersnappers right out of high school that really knew what they were doing in art. I didn't, but the one thing I learned was my experiences. You know, my experiences are what helped me see and paint what I do today. All the experiences in Central South America, uh, just in living, as compared to those young kids and and you know i think when we get older we need to realize that we have a wealth of information to share with the world regardless of what our our um life's work is uh, i i think that that as long as our mind is working <laughs> and i guarantee you by switching the gears with helping people paint paintings that keeps your mind active. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So I real so I don't as long as my body is working, as long as my mind is working, I, I'm very I don't think about aging. Mm -hmm. uh, my grandmother, the one who introduced me to art, died in a nursing home at 96. Mm. And she was an artist, pastel artist, and she always gave her paintings away. People would go on trips and they would say, Nora, could you do this painting for us? And she would, and she'd give it to them. And when she was 92, the community all pulled their resources of all the paintings that grandma uh, 
created for them. And they gave her a one woman artist show in the nursing home. And when she died, that woman, it was standing room only in the big church, Mm. standing room only. And I only hope when I, when, when you asked me about aging is that I have influenced or I have touched people in some way that they carry on that that I have lit a spark in them. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I do, and I've done even when I was a palette and chisel is I had watercolor, watercolor expressions showcase. I was the uh, producer of those four uh, exhibitions at the palette and chisel involving all of my students. To exhibit their work and learn how to put on an exhibition, photograph their work, document their work. How do you do invitations? How do you do a reception? Writing thank you notes after people buy your work and all of that. And that has carried now over into my, my studio where I have water media expressions and I teach them the same thing. And I think that's so important. I learned that from art school. You go to art school and, all right, you learn art, you learn art, then what do you do with it? (laughs) So I I want to pass it on so that they can develop and they can develop what they want to do with their art. So everything you've talked about. Yes. Yes. Well, Catherine, do you have any other questions of Ingrid? Oh, well, thank you. This was delightful. Please and your passion. And leave a <laughs> You're an inspiration. Podcasts well, thank become you. An thank active you. Participant so thank you very much for women being with us today. All right. Well, thank group. you for having me. Visit our website, womenover70.com, and discover everything you'd like to know about our Women Over 70 community. We'll see you next Wednesday on Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined.